This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG 13. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is our review of The Little Things. You know them, didn't you? Then you have that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still gotta catch him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. The guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. You must really like my car. I do. How's the truck space? Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see, it ain't good. He knew all the details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why is that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. All right, everybody, you were just listening to the trailer for The Little Things, and the story is as follows. Deputy Sheriff Joe Deke Deacon joins forces with Sergeant Jim Baxter to search for a serial killer who's terrorizing Los Angeles. As they track the culprit, Baxter is unaware that the investigation is dredging up echoes of Deke's past, uncovering disturbing secrets that could threaten more than his case. The film is starring Denzel Washington, Rami Malek, and Jared Leto. It is written and directed by John Lee Hancock. Here to join me today for this podcast review, I have Tom O'Brien. Hi, everybody. And Daniel Howitt. Hello, hello. You know, guys, 
It's the little things that make up a movie. <laughs> it's the little things. You know, good story, good characters, cinematography, score, sound, mood, direction. It's the little things. They can get you in trouble, too. They can all add up to something, or they can all add up to nothing. And with this movie here, I have to say, what a waste of time. Yeah, really. (laughs) And I got to ask, too, why? Seriously, why? What, What... what what was this movie's intended purpose for existing? Now, you know, I'm a fan of the police procedural crime thrillers, especially of the 90s, which this story takes place in, in Los Angeles. Inexplicably. Yeah. I was kind of looking forward to this when I saw the initial trailer for it. John Lee Hancock, a director who, you know... He is, uh, he's a workman director, you know? He's not someone that I would say has, like, a distinctive style. But if given a interesting script, he could turn something good out of it, right? Yeah. Saving Mr. Banks, not bad. The Founder, not bad. The Blind Side, some people thought it was good. The little things. It's the little things, Daniel. <laughs> it's the little things, Tom. <sighs> what did you guys think of this? Tom, I'm going to start off with you. Well, this is what I used to call a January programmer. It's the guy, something that the studios put out in January that's not there for awards. It's there to keep the lights on and hopefully attract a few people. I mean, la- I mean, the good news is that that last year that particular slot was filled by Doolittle. So this is better than Doolittle. Okay, okay, I'll give you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, let's look on the bright side. Yeah, it's the little things. <laughs> yeah, it's the little things. But uh, this apparently was a story that Hancock wanted to tell shortly after he made A Perfect World. That was back in 1993. And it, this has been kicking around for a long time. And I came away with the same feeling. Why? Um, we've seen so many police procedurals in the uh, intervening years and uh, movies that have really done some interesting things with the tropes of the genre. And this one, surprisingly and unfortunately, just by, is really by the book. It's so by the book to the point that it does not feel like it belongs in 2021. It feels like it belongs in a pre-Seven world where mm-hmm. maybe this story would have been more shocking to audiences back then. But instead, it comes off as a pale comparison. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's it, 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 it throughout the whole thing. I kept thinking, well, there's going to be a twist. This is so ordinary that there's got to be some reason why this has been made. And by the end, it's no, it's exactly what you were afraid it was going to be. And not only that, too, but I kept thinking in terms of, you know, a twist. Oh, man, they're going to wow us with something. There's going to be something that they're going to throw at us or it's going to be such a swing and a miss attempt that I will at least admire them for trying if it doesn't land. Nope. It played out exactly as I predicted. Mm. Exactly. Like they didn't even try to subvert my expectations. Exactly what you think this movie is setting itself up to do. It does exactly that to once again 
the storytelling is so conventional that I was like kind of struggling while watching it to find meaning in it all. I was like, okay, cops protecting their own. Is this like some sort of commentary on police in 2021? And then I was like, snap out of it. Stop. You know, I'm just like slapping myself and saying to myself, no, it's not. It's really just a genre exercise that doesn't amount to much. And and with the talent involved, it's particularly disappointing. <sighs> Daniel, the little things. Well, I'll tell you, my first reaction is that watching Rami Malek try to act like a normal human being uh, for the first half of this movie is extremely painful. Uh, <laughs> that was that was my initial reaction. I couldn't focus on anything else other than is he is he a human? Okay, okay, he's a human. He's, this isn't some sort of alien story. Okay, he's a human. Great. Um, yeah, I, I, um, we're going to be crapping on this movie a lot tonight and that's, you know, that, that, that's fine. I want to, I want to be clear. The reason I am, am so negative on this movie is not because it's absolutely awful. Cause really there are, there are a lot worse movies, you know, um, this, it's not like this is razzy contender. It's just so by the books, like you guys were saying that it's, it, it just makes you mad. Like it's it's so ordinary and you've seen so many other movies do what this is trying to do but way better but it just exactly like you guys have been saying it's like what's the point there's just nothing unique here so it's it's not it's not trash it's just boring and pointless so uh yeah i mean you you i think it was matt you 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 already name checked seven i mean like this is just a more boring seven. That's all it is. Like the story is so freaking similar, um, just done worse. Um, there's all this unexplained like mystery that's just kind of boring. But exactly like you said, it's not. It's it doesn't really go in a surprising direction. Uh, Denzel is fine. Rami Malek is. He, he I'll, I'll admit his character like, his acting settles in like as the movie goes on it gets a little better as his character gets a little more fleshed out but uh it was really really rough uh at the start i think jared leto comes close to doing something i think maybe if he was in a better movie with a better script he he might have been able to bring something unique to this creepy character so he was okay he he doesn't overplay it yeah. which i appreciated but at the same time he is so intently creepy yeah that it is actually its own form of distracting because i kind of wish that his performance didn't go even that route because there's two ways his performance would go right it would either go subtle and creepy or over the top and chaotic and just completely mad where you think this guy is like a schizophrenic or something right yeah and instead i almost wanted him to play it like a blank slate you know did, did you guys ever see burning with uh stevie young yes yeah no i didn't i really genuinely wish that his performance in this was the kind of ambiguous nuanced performance that the ending at least could have left us with more of a question mark as to whether or not if he really was you know the killer or not and instead the performance is one that is so apparent to us you know, because he's a crime junkie who is having his fun with the cops and knows that they don't have shit on him. So he is just relishing in the fact 
that they are antagonizing him over nothing. And he's having fun with that. And I guess there is like a degree of like, I don't know, I guess the energy does pick up a little bit when Jared Leto comes into the movie. But man, it takes a long time for him to get there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I was I was picturing him in like Zodiac. Like I was picturing that performance in, in Zodiac somewhere. And I feel like I feel like he could have done something with, like I said, with a better movie. Uh, but this one, yeah, there's just nothing like I don't care whether or not he did it. I mean, the, the, the way the script is written, I mean, he's creepy enough. He did something like so he's, you know, it's just it's just all so bland and so boring. Like, I don't care. Like, that's yeah. the thing. Nothing ever made me care about what's happening. I didn't care. They didn't make me care about the victims either. It was like, I don't really care about the serial killer. There was nothing like they didn't focus on the victims to to bring empathy or anything like that. It was just like faceless women. You know, it, it was just very weird. It was very strange. And then by the time, like, you know, because they're hinting constantly that there's something going on with Denzel and annoyingly hinting at that. Yeah. His character's past, right? Yeah. And he has this reputation around the department and we don't necessarily know what it is. And they wait all the way until the end to tell us it once again. It is exactly what you think it is going to be the whole time. And I, I kept thinking, okay, well, if the other three attempts earlier to provide a twist and they didn't, you know, failed, then maybe this will be the big twist. And then, nope, and that was like the cherry on the top. It was like, nope, exactly what I expected. Now, for all of these, you know, final moments in the movie where I actually think the film is at its strongest is uh, the final act of this film. I actually did like the final, final, final moment of the movie uh, because I did think that there was, you know, some very interesting commentary that's never necessarily, it's never actually dug into any deeper on the surface level, certainly not as deep as the holes that are dug in this movie. Um, <laughs> but this commentary on... Uh, past trauma and living with one's own mistakes, the regret that you feel and so on and so forth. And I, 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 I was kind of vibing with that, but the movie, like I said, never gets it to a point where it was a theme that was kind of running through from start, middle and end of the film. Instead, it was something that they just tried to tack on like within the last 10 minutes and mm -hmm. credit to the last 10 minutes that I actually like got it. But at the same time, I was like, well, too little, too late. Yeah, it was like a, yeah. it's like finally they're onto something, and the credits start to roll. You know, it's, work backwards. You've got something exactly. in the last ten minutes. And like I said, you have a very, very interesting opportunity here in telling a story about police in 2021, where you could actually have some really, really powerful thematic commentary here, but instead, it just doesn't add up to much. And I think, for me at least, uh, the casting of Leto was a problem because he's so obviously a creep. Mm -hmm. And we've seen this on TV, you know, 60-minute dramas, every, you know, every week. And uh, usually it's like, okay, he's obviously the creep, so he can't be the killer. So the killer's probably the banker down the street who's killing all these girls. And, you know, t TV churns that stuff up pretty much. This is even less interesting. The way it all turns out. I mean, yeah. you, you mentioned TV. There were times when I was watching this and I thought that this was a TV movie or even worse at times. And, you know, TV movies nowadays are great. So that's not even really like a knock necessarily. But, you know, for example, why is the cinematography so flat? 
Like, why are they afraid to use uh, really, really high contrast shadows in this? It was like very overly bright and it didn't help with the mood. And speaking of mood setting, Thomas Newman's uh, music, a composer that I deeply, deeply love, felt so mismatched for this material to the point where his score was coming off as like, you know, it was like, like you know, just like taking cues from American Beauty and putting it into this dark drama. I, I didn't understand it. Like, did he watch this movie when he composed the score? It, was, it just seems just so off. Yeah. And then, you know, if I want to talk about, like, you know, the editing of this film, then for a minute, too, you know, the pacing of it. Oh, it's over two hours long. There's no reason for that. It doesn't earn its runtime because, you know, we already talked about, like, Jared Leto comes into the story a little bit later. His performance is one where, okay, yeah, it's kind of a typical, you know, creep, creeper performance that at, at least it provides, like, some sort of level of energy and excitement, you know, to the things that are going on. And, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before I comment more on the editing for a minute here, how incredible is it that you have Denzel freaking Washington cast as the lead of your movie, and it's not until Jared Leto actually shows up in the movie that the movie gains some level of excitement to it? Because, mm-hmm. man, I, I I gotta say, like I give Denzel a lot of credit all the time, even in movies that I don't even think necessarily are that great. Man... This is the very example, in my opinion, of Denzel phoning it in. Yeah. Yeah, I And agree. just kind of like sleepwalking through a role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean to, to be fair, the writing doesn't do him any favors. Like, I don't think I don't think there's anything particularly bad about his performance. There's just nothing special about it either. It's just there. Yeah. No, it, it, it's one of his heroes that has a dark secret yep. that we've, we've seen before. And, you know, what's different is, oh, he's wearing a cap and is driving a truck. That's <laughs> right. It. Yeah, going going back to the editing, Matt. Um, yeah, not only is the pacing off, just the, some of the specific editing uh, in some of the the dialogue driven scenes. It it was giving me flashbacks to Bohemian Rhapsody that 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 one scene that gets all the the you know jokes on online about how many cuts there are in one scene. Every single dialogue scene, every every single scene of people sitting at a table or anything. I mean, it's just cutting like nonstop. Just cut, 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 cut. It was giving me a headache. Uh, it is really really horribly edited really really bad and it's not just that too we were already talking about like the screenplay there are like these weird moments between certain characters in this movie where it's like john lee hancock adds in like witty dialogue to like try and make us like see that these characters have like a sense of humor with their you know rat-a-tat-tat back and forth like dialogue at times but there's just something about it that just feels so not of this time. And maybe that was intentional. Maybe he really was going for a 90s kind of a throwback feel with everything in this movie. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. There is no, no reason for this movie to be set in the 90s other than the fact that they, you know, don't they're not all walking around with, with cell phones. Like there's nothing 90s about this. The job was much harder back then. <laughs> yeah, 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 I mean, I guess. I don't know. It, it feels like it kind of like harkens back to traditional police work where you had to stake out in front of somebody's apartment for hours, maybe even days on end in hopes that, you know, they would emerge before we had access to all this different you know, level of technology that could help us to easily track somebody's movements a lot better. So maybe that's part of it. I don't know. No, it, it just seemed that uh, it was set in the 90s and seemed appropriate because it's a movie that could probably be made in the 90s before right. police procedurals got interesting. Well, I mean, the script was written, written in what, the uh, 1993 or something, right? Yeah. Yep. It was after we finished A Perfect World. There you go. That's the answer right there, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to just beat a dead horse here, but I, I then have to ask myself, like, okay, is this bad or is it just a misfire? Because I have to tell you, like, I, I, I don't want to say that it is bad, but at the same time, I think I kind of have to because of the fact that I was not emotionally engaged. I found the story even hard to follow at times because mm-hmm. of how much my emotional engagement was just non-existent. And, you know, it's like by the time we get to the end of the movie and, you know, characters are embracing each other and, you know, like it's still as if they're supposed to have like this really, really deep bond and connection. And I'm watching this and I'm saying to myself, like, I I never got the sense of a development of a relationship Mm -hmm. between these characters, you know, and it starts off so awkwardly, too, where uh, uh, where where Rami Malek's character, uh, Jimmy is getting Deke's, like, car towed. And, you know, it's like he 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 goes through the trouble of getting the car towed, but then Deke is all, like, unhook it. And I guess he does. And then they are able to kind of just move on from that moment. It's so weird in terms of, like, it's set up. Yes. It's yeah. so strange. It's so hard to read. Yeah. It's so hard to read his character. I was like, I don't even understand, is this guy, is, is Rami Malek's character, like, the hotshot young cop because they kind of go in that direction mm-hmm. but then he also just suspicious of denzel's it was like i didn't know what he wanted he was just always side-eyeing denzel i was like i don't i don't know and then on top of that i kept trying to like say to myself i was like you know uh, on top of that i was asking myself like why is denzel there what what yeah <laughs> how does he keep finding himself entangled in this case that doesn't necessarily belong to him they give us no reasons it's just like i said the screenplay just did not do a really good enough job of setting up who these characters were why they had any reason to actually be working together and then also getting us to care about the case in question yeah you know the way you do that is you bring an emotional human component into your story through the victims or the families of the victims or something. But instead, all we get is we get Rami Malek and Denzel Washington investigating a crime scene and a lot of photographs of dead bodies. Nothing else. Yep. Yeah, that's all it was. Yeah. And there's nothing there's nothing interesting about the case either. You know, there's there's not like some some hook or some twist or some unique element of these these killings, you know, so it's just kind of just generic. Murders. Just another random guy killing women yeah. because that was the thing in the 90s that everyone was obsessed with. 
So um, I, I think I think it's fair to like find the little things that we can uh, see what I did there uh, <laughs> to, to, to po- say something positive about the movie. So I, I, I will say that, uh, you know, I think as it was finding its footing in the very end of the third act, um, I think it was getting on something there. So like it ended better than it started you know um mm-hmm. i think i think rami malik you know i guess we'll kind of avoid spoilers a little bit rami malik does a good shell-shocked uh you know the, the, the kind of shell-shocked cop uh, that that he kind of turns into towards the end i think uh i think he does a really good job at that i think the emotions landed there um i wish there were any emotions throughout the entire rest of the movie that hooked me because uh, <laughs> it was a way too little too late uh, but I think that that worked out really well towards the end. And I think the whole thing with the Brett was I mean, it, it, it was pretty transparent. It was very easy to see what was happening, but I think it worked uh, for what they were trying to do. I agree. Yeah, no, that's what I was touching on earlier. Um, I'm with you on that, Howard. I actually thought that what they were doing at the very end of the movie, you know, it's like what was that uh, phrase from uh, adaptation where he says, you know, wow them in the end and you have a hit. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm not saying that this ending wowed me, but. I will say that at least it stuck the landing well enough that it's not going to go down as like one of my worst films of the year or anything like that. Yeah, because yeah. in the end, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm shrugging right now, you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like whatever. Two weekends from now, we will have forgotten we've seen. It. Yes, 100 percent, which which makes me like all the more curious as to why this is being positioned as a last minute award season contender uh i'm like kind of confused by that but i i i wonder if it's out of obligation to the people that are involved you know because there is such like star power behind it in that regard but maybe but i agree i agree with you tom that even if we didn't have this extended eligibility window this year I, I, I still believe that this would have been the very definition of a January release, like an intended January dump mm-hmm. release. Yeah. Keep the lights on at the theater. Yeah. Uh, if I can say something positive. Okay, sure. There's a very good perfor- supporting performance by an actress named Michael Hyatt. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Works in the coroner's office, her character named Flo, and she has a rapport with Denzel's character that, I would like to have seen more of that. I'd like to see her, frankly. Uh, And uh, I look forward to seeing uh, um, Hyatt's uh, next next venture because she's a good actress and she brings a little life to what was normally just a diner scene. Mm. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that. And I I, I agree that the relationship is one that I would have liked to have seen fleshed out a bit more because, you know, once again, in the final 10 minutes of this movie, you know, goes a ways to try and highlight a little bit more context into their relationship. You know, you're watching it early on in these earlier scenes and they're kind of like dancing around some subject matter and you don't really know exactly what they're talking about. And then it kind of becomes clear by the end. Or if you're like us, you figured it out like mm-hmm. 20 minutes into the movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in any event, I mean, it's 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 fine. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm even like holding back from saying that it's good. It's it's fine. It was fine. I think it just kind of all results in a, a just a big eh from me in the end. Yeah. And I, I wish I had more to add. I wish I had more positives to add. 
but unfortunately, like the things that I usually look for, if I can't find anything good in the story or the characters, is I try to look at the technicals. And man, like I said before, I, I couldn't believe that I wasn't in love with a Thomas Newman score again. And, you know, cinematography as well for a type of moody thriller like this, I thought would have been, you know, up my alley and it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Editing is, you know, pretty bad at times sound design is nothing memorable it's kind of generic it's just you know it was a movie yeah. mm-hmm. it's the kind of thing that'll be perfect as after dinner time killer app you know on hbo max yeah i mean maybe that's maybe that's the point right it's just something to just watch and you know you don't have to give yourself over that much to it you could just put it on and hey oh look denzel yeah it's pretty harmless i don't i i can't imagine people being too angry after watching it like it's just kind of like okay yeah and next although you know i was pretty angry that i was just like okay because <laughs> I, I expect more you know yeah. i expect more from all these actors i expect more from john lee hancock well, actually you know what i don't really know if i expect more from john lee hancock but you know i expect more so grade Agreed. Uh, ugh. A two for me. Hmm. How it? I, I'm I'm gonna go to four. I mean, really, because there's not a lot to there's not a lot that I hate here. There's just nothing that I care about at all. So, uh, so it's a it's a four. Forgettable four. Tom. Yeah, I kind of save twos for movies I'm really angry at, yeah. and I didn't. I. Yeah. It, this really wasn't really worth my anger. Uh, I'm going to give. All right, it. fine, fine, fine. Hold on. Before you give your grade, fine. You, <laughs> three. Three, goddammit. Fine. I'm sorry, Tom. Please continue. I'll give it a very weak four. How about that? <laughs> sure. You guys. Always getting me to question my own rating system. <laughs> we love to do that. I know. Yes. I know. Does anyone have any final thoughts before we get into the non-existent awards potential? I I think Tom nailed it uh, when he said it earlier. We will completely forget that this movie exists, uh, you know, in, in a couple weeks. It's just going to fade away. You know what? There is that one guy at the police station who's doing the um, identifying through the uh, the fingerprints. And he has this one scene with Rami Malek where he like tells him, oh, I have this one guy and he's only a few matches away from your suspect. And Rami Malek's like, who is it? And then he like holds up his thumb and it's like, it's me. And I'm just like, yo, dick move, dick move. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. And it it was completely out of a different movie. It was like, this doesn't belong here at all. <laughs> but, but for a moment, I was interested in that movie. Yeah, right? Exactly. exactly. I kind of wanted some dry, dark humor at that point. Absolutely. <laughs> like, where's David Fincher to Zodiac up my film? <laughs> oh, man. Anyone else final thoughts? All right. And then I guess this section will be really short here. Awards potential for this movie. Like I said, I kind of can't believe that they are giving this a legitimate push, uh, but they are. Yeah, I mean, I saw this. I saw this through a screening for my critics group. So they're they're really trying to make something of it. I mean, I think you have to when you have three Oscar winners leading your film. Uh, you know, I guess you have to, but. Yeah, there's just nothing there. Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with what Tom said earlier. I think this was always intended to be a January release. And I think that the eligibility window is extended. 
And even though this was always meant to be one of those types of January releases, they just decided, hey, you know what? Let's run with an, let's like, you know, run with a campaign and just see where it goes. Yeah. That, that's my thinking behind it. Yeah, I think so. I agree, Matt. Yeah. Well, can't win them all in any event. Daniel Howitt, where can they find you on the Internet? You can find me on Twitter at HowittDK. Tom? And please join me on Twitter at Thomas E. O'Brien. And you can find me at Next Best Picture. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening to our review of The Little Things here on the Next Best Picture podcast. You can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. We really, really appreciate your feedback and your support. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. And if you want to rate us on Apple Podcasts, head on over there. Type in Next Best Picture. Rate us five stars. Drop us a comment. Let us know what you think of the show. And if you want to take that support a little bit further, you can head on over to Patreon, where for $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we shall see you all next time. Ryan here and I have a question for you what do you do when you win like are you a fist pumper a woohooer a hand clapper a high fiver I kind of like the high five but if you want to hone in on those winning moves check out Chumba Casino at ChumbaCasino.com choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes there are new game releases weekly plus free daily bonuses so don't wait start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary BGW group void prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus